This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is brought to you by our friends at Mud Gear. We have an awesome new partnership to tell you about, and we love Mud Gear because they're made tougher, just like you guys. It's outdoor gear for the outdoor athlete. You can get it dirty, you can sweat in it, it's all good, and I absolutely love it. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see me rocking Mud Gear shirts and shorts on that Blue Ridge Relay, and uh, it performed really, really well. We've got a great deal going for our listeners. You go to mudgear.com, you use the code PUT6, that's the number six, P-U-T and the number six, and you're saving 15% off today. Great shirts, great shorts, awesome socks. They've got a bunch of different kinds of socks. They've got full knee-high socks for compression. They've got running socks. They've got mountain biking socks. They've got rucking socks. It's all good. Go pick it up today. It's made tougher. It's mud gear and it's 15% off at mudgear.com using the code PUT6. Go get after it, pick up some of their stuff and help support a great company that we love to partner with. Edgar Mills from Osprey Shooting Solutions joins the show today to talk about his service in the 10th Special Forces Group and how he's building on his experience leading the SOCOM Marksmanship Program to help equip everyone from new shooters and firearm owners to seasoned professionals to become safer, more competent, and more confident shooters. I really enjoyed this conversation because we get to talk to a pretty cool guy who's super humble and dedicated to his life mission at the same time. This is Pick Up the Six Podcast. Brian Jodis back once again for another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. I've got Edgar Mills joining me, my brother. It's good to see you. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I am too. This is the fun world of uh, of connections, right? And our buddy, yep. fast friend of the show, the trail trash dirtbag, Justin Sheely, was like, I got a guy for you. He said, Edgar Mills of Osprey Shooting Solutions. I was like, bro, I'm already following him. Absolutely. <laughs> Love what he's doing. And so here we are. So it brings us together today. It's always good. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Justin's a great guy. He He's always connecting people. That's I don't, he's got a job, right? Where he's very I think, successful. I think, yeah, I think he's a pretty successful no, human being. But he's, uh, he, he works harder connecting people to yeah. do things like this. Yeah. He's always on, man. Always. You know, it's uh, what I refer to as the D2X, which is where you're doing what you were born to do for those you were born to serve. And I think that's yeah. sort of his sweet spot for you. That's sort of uh, the second evolution of your career through Osprey Shooting Solutions. But before that, man, life in the Army, 10 Special Forces Group. So let's just get to meet Edgar Mills a little bit. Tell us a little bit about, man, growing up and when did you know you want to be in the Army? How'd that all, uh, how'd that all shake out for you? Oh, man, I was a G.I. Joe kid. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not re really. Uh, when I was very young, I had an uncle who was in Vietnam. He was a Green Beret in Vietnam. I never met him. He died in 1967. But there were pictures all over the house, right? Big, giant, three by two pictures. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. And they were all of him and his Green Beret looking all, you know, looking cool and stuff. <laughs> uh, so he was always like a, a, a figure in my head. So I joined the Army in, in 1991, and uh, I'm colorblind. So I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. So I did the shortest enlistment and got out. Uh, while I was out, I was a bicycle messenger in Atlanta and a bouncer. 
for four okay. years. About, okay. Um, living the carefree lifestyle. I was incredibly fit, uh, riding a bike every day, but, uh, I had a son <laughs> and you can't be a bike messenger and, and support a family. So yeah. uh, I went back in the army, uh, except this time around, I knew some, I was a little older and knew some tricks. So I, I was able to go to the infantry, which is what I wanted to do originally. Uh, messed around there and went to selection, you know, in 98. Had security clearance issue, and then uh, got that fixed. And went to the Q course in 03, where I became a Green Beret, yeah. which uh, is the best job in the Army. We've yeah. been very fortunate uh, to grow close with and talk to quite a few times. My, my good friend, Lowell Coppert, Green Beret, uh, he's the guy, if you guys listening remember, and Edgar, if you don't know him, he you're in the state of South Carolina today. He lives in South Carolina, recently petitioned and got moved a Vietnam Veterans Memorial in his hometown of Aiken, South Carolina, that quite frankly had gotten left behind and got was forgot about. Uh, and he got a move to a more prominent and a safer part of town where people could actually see it. It was Yeoman's effort to get that done. It took state legislation because now you're talking about moving a war monument. right? Uh, and uh, but just 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 a pleasure, man. And, and it, you know what I've uh, grown to learn from him and even just talking to you is just just a um, just this sort of humbleness about the guys that go through the, that Q school, at least the guys that I've met and talked to and spent some time with, because you sort of just drop it in there and just talk about it like it's not a big deal. But it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's a, yeah. But most of the guys, hey, there's no shortage of arrogant dudes in SF. I mean, really, but most of the guys, I mean, once you're there, it's it's not a big deal. Uh, at work every day. I mean, it's just a bunch of regular dudes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you if you would have taken a slightly different path as a youth, you you could have been a Green Beret. You know, it's just just cho- you know, it's a job. It's where some guys do it. You know, what did you learn about yourself going through that selection process? Because I know it's incredibly lengthy, arduous, long amount of time. A lot of time, if I'm not mistaken, sort of by yourself. As you're going through parts of that evolution, yeah, right? Uh, What'd you learn? The selection process is short, shorter. The Q course itself is long, but uh, when I went, you know, I think I was in my late twenties when I when I went to selection, and it was challenging for me, man, physically. Uh, but I was coming from the 82nd Airborne Division, mm-hmm. so my motivation was <laughs> don't go back to the 82nd Airborne Division. But um, yeah, it was physically challenging, man. Like. And, and and in the 90s, everybody's a dang uh, a CrossFit athlete these days. Like, everybody's an athlete, like professional-level athlete. Sure. Everybody's Back an ambassador 90s, or a sponsor for a product or something. Yeah. In the 90s, uh, yeah, there was fit guys, but they weren't, they weren't athletes. They were just well, it was like guys. how much you bench, how much you deadlift. Maybe that was right. it. Like, how yeah, strong was, are you? Yeah. And the evolution of fitness was still coming along then too, you know, so, but literal, you know, days and days and days with a big heavy ruck on your back, you know, it, it, it's all about the motivation though. Cause it, not anybody could do it. I guess, I guess if anybody could do it, anybody would, but like, uh, it was just physically hard. This is a big gut check. That's what selection is big gut check. And, uh, it kind of tests your ability to interact with other humans when you're under, Extreme stress. Yeah. High stress, low biz, right? How do you react during those moments? But, but in selection, it's all about the physical stress. 
you see guys bicker and argue and complain and moan and groan. Uh, but good guys just just suck it up, help their homies out, and, and keep moving on. So, yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know necessarily what I learned about myself. I, I'm always learning stuff about myself yeah. every day. Uh, but that's what I wanted to be, and that, that was, the, to me, the pinnacle of, of being in the military. How so. much How much of that when it's extremely – because it's physically just a physically challenging process – but how many guys quit because of what's going on between the years? Oh man, like probably uh, of the pass rate. I can't remember what the total numbers were. We started out with about two hundred and change, and we ended up with about one hundred and twenty. Uh, so probably half didn't get selected, and of that half that didn't get selected, um, probably. Had no, well, more than that, probably 80 of those dudes quit. Uh, some of it was physical, but the way selection was when I went through is you had no information of what was happening the next day. Mm. And that screwed with a lot of guys, man. Like not knowing what was coming next. Yeah, that was unknown. A big problem for some dudes. Yeah. For me, I was just whatever. I read the whiteboard and do what it says do. But a lot of guys, you know, they get in their head, they try to war game what's coming up. And, uh, you know, you wake up the next morning and they're gone because <laughs> they so sneak out in the middle of the night. <laughs> there's, something, man, there's something in there about uh, just being overly – maybe there's a few things. Maybe one is just I'm just going to be ready and I'm just going to mentally deal with whatever they throw yeah. us tomorrow. The other one yeah. is – and maybe you can't. Maybe in that instance you can't really be overly prepared because they're kind of preparing you for stuff for down the road. So it sounds like you're just like, no, no offense, fuck it. I'll just be ready for whatever they throw at me tomorrow. Yeah. Well, let me give you, for example, uh, you get measured on all the physical stuff, right? So the next morning you get up, the whiteboard might say wear tennis shoes as opposed to boots. Boots. That's an indicator that you're going to go on a run. It might be a 12-mile run. It might be a two-mile run. Unknown, right? And the, the cadre just said, okay, uh, follow the path and do your best. Okay. So what if it's a 12-mile run? I need to pace myself. I need to, or what if it's two mile run? If I pace myself and, and now I'm slower than that. So that messes with people, you know, me, I, I had the fortunate benefit of not being a very good runner. I run the same pace, no matter what the, no matter what the task is. Yeah. 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 And plus, you know, you get a homie, like I was number uh, 80 and my homie was number 79. And we just challenged stick, each stick, other. Stick with your battle buddy and challenge each other. Yeah. And me and him were, it worked out that we were about physically the same. So he'd be a little faster than me. I'd be a little faster than him. So we used each other as a metric. And uh, then we would make a game out of trying to figure out who's going to quit next. <laughs> that's it, right? Just survive the next thing. Yeah, that's you it. Know, like you hear those guys talk about like, look, you don't have – you can quit tomorrow. Just quit tomorrow. Yep. You want to quit, just quit tomorrow. I've heard a lot of yeah. guys say that. I mean, look, I got Nick Lavery's book over my shoulder. Right. Guy lost yeah. his leg in combat. That guy could have quit in a hot second, laid it down. Yep. He just kept grinding, kept grinding. It's not, it's just not an option. I think for some people, I think the difference is, and I know, look, you're a good man, super humble about it. I think the difference is there's just, there's just a, another layer of another ability of, I'm just not going to stop and I'll just keep going. Let me just get through this next part. Yeah. Maybe treating it like that. Yeah. Well, that's just it. One piece at a time. You can, 
you can try to overthink something to death. Uh, yeah. And psychology is a big deal, man. I mean, it gets in your head. So if you if you take that out of the equation and just okay, I'm I'm going to do what they say do next. So yeah, selection's not. I mean, yeah, a lot of guys quit, and I guess it is sort of a, a mental game. But uh, a guy who had gone through previous to me, who I had been on a team with uh, in the long range surveillance detachment, he uh, I ran into him out at, while I was in selection. He was in the Q course, and he did a shoulder brush on me because we weren't supposed to talk and. Hey man, just don't quit. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, okay. Just don't quit. Roger that. Like, okay, cool. Yep. Okay. So you, uh, it's, that's it, incredible. Know, yeah. yeah, it's fun, man. Uh, civilians would probably pay big money to go do selection for, for like a, an experience. They they do. I, think they I do. mean, look, it's happening a lot all the time do. now. It's happening. You yeah. you see it in the things you're doing. We see it through events like Go Ruck Selection. Not yeah. the same. Yeah. Right. Things that we do, my F3 buddies and I do these events called Grow Ruck. I'm getting I'm training for one right now, October 7th and 8th, whatever that Saturday is. We're going to spend 15 to 16 hours between 6 p.m. and whenever the hell they say we're done, 7, 8, 9 in the morning, going through an overnight in the dark, physically challenging fitness and leadership experience. Right. With platoon leaders and cadre and logs and rucks and all that sort of stuff. And look, it's not the same. It's not apples to apples for you guys preparing for when you're getting ready to go into combat. But there is something about wanting to put yourself into those moments of incredible uncomfortness, high stress, low viz, because you don't know what's going to come at you in life. And that dovetails very well into sort of our conversation about Osprey shooting solutions, what you're looking at there. Before we do that, you got to see the army, the military in our world on both sides of of 9-11, right? Yeah. Post in that moment when all things changed, what was life for like? What was life like for you, sort of after that? And did you just see a shift in pretty much everybody around you? Uh, yeah, for good and bad. And um, so pre nine eleven, like especially during the Clinton years, it was kind of lean. Mm-hmm. And dudes were in the army because they needed a job, or you know, there there was people that came in for family legacy, and, and there was noble reasons for people yeah. to join uh college being was one of the primary reasons a lot of people were pre 9-11 after 9-11 i, I saw uh an influx of well one they lowered the standards for people so there was a lot of guys with like maybe sketchy backgrounds mm-hmm. or whatnot but they came in for noble reasons you know what i mean yeah and literally there were guys who were lawyers and you know, financial advisors and political lobbyists and whatever else. It was like, you know what? I'm, I'm joining do the something. Army. I'm yeah. going to go do it. Uh, so you saw a lot of really genuine, genuinely good human beings come in to go do what they, they thought was the right thing to do. And it, and it was awesome uh, for that. And obviously there was an influx of, of budget. So, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of spending. Yeah, a lot of spending. But the, the quality of people, even though the standards lowered a little bit because they wanted the numbers, mm-hmm. you, you got a higher standard of people also in, the, in that mix. So it was, pre- it was pretty neat, man. It was a, it was a weird uh, dynamic going on back in, in those days. Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. 
I bet it was. Uh, part of your journey while stationed in Tampa uh, was the program lead for SOCOM, the marksmanship program. I mean, how, how quickly did you realize in your career, I'm pretty good with a gun, right? I'm pretty good in this space. Was that something just sort of locked in for you? A ton of training, well, a little bit of both? I'm still, I'm still not 100% sure about all that, <laughs> but I do have good training methodology. Uh, so, so that SOCOM job, that was a it was like a side gig. I, I was uh, the operations sergeant for the senior enlisted academy down there, the, the joint special operations forces senior enlisted academy. And that's the like the sergeant major course for uh, s- soft guys. Um, but that honestly, that was not a full time job. Mm-hmm. So I did the marksmanship program also. And we did. Uh, so there's a lot of people in SOCOM that deploy as onesies and twosies to the for odd tasks and they go down range and they'll hand them a gun and uh, you know see you without any train up whatsoever and a lot of the people at socom are soft skill people so w- me and uh, um, uh, my mentor dan bernard who's who's down in tampa he's retired but he runs a, a gun club down there. But he and I saw a need that like these people need need some formalized training, even if it's for two days or three days mm-hmm. to to be able to protect themselves if they need to. So we did a three day course. We did a two day course. We did uh, some events, some big events uh, for fun and, and, you know, commemoration and whatnot. So it was a good time. I, I went to SOCOM in lieu of going to SWIC, which is the schoolhouse for special forces. Uh, and being an E8 down there, I was one of the lowest ranking dudes walking around. There's a bunch of brass, a bunch of uh, one stars and, and uh, two stars cruising around and full birds. So I got such a weird perspective that I wasn't expecting to get on, well, guys who, who some are intellectuals and some think they're intellectuals. Uh, I took the I took the SOCOM Enterprise Management course, which was an eye opener for me, mm-hmm. as far as the the broader uh, staff level stuff. So it was a good experience, man. But the marksmanship program was the highlight of my my SOCOM time, for sure. Yeah did you did you know that like hey once I'm out of the army and once that sort of part of my life is has uh, come and gone that that's an area where you wanted to continue to provide service, provide oh, yeah. counsel, yeah. right? Well, I've been running my business since 2017, and I retired in 2020. Uh, it was a part-time gig. Mm-hmm. So teaching people to shoot is awesome. It's, it's a passion. Um, what I'm looking at right now, and actually me and Justin are milling over a, uh, a, a project we're calling. Uh, you're familiar with the Junto, uh, mm-hmm. Ben Franklin's uh, yep. little, little yep. club. We're, we're milling over something in that vein. And I'm trying to figure out how to how to frame it into a, a 501c3 or C6, a C3 probably to figure out how we can do charitable work mm-hmm. in conjunction with with training because people don't associate firearms training with with, with charities. Right. Like we can raise money for something, we can do an event, and we will, and we have. But I want I want to be more productive in, in doing the, the charity piece of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and we, and we haven't got things ironed out 100%. I, I'm looking for counsel, actually, so you can probably hit me offline. Yeah, I got some ideas. Um, Honestly, I have some ideas that we can yeah. talk about when we're done. Uh, because I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of organizations that you might be able to come alongside and compliment and provide yeah. some services to yeah. in that space. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's what we're looking. I'm not, we're still messing around with it. It's very, very young and it's, uh, in it's lifespan here, but, um, whatever I do, I want to do it with Justin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. All right. So tell me a little bit about what's going on at Osprey. Uh, and what you guys do there and really the mission behind it and why, why you think it's so important, especially now. All right. Well, <clears throat> the mission statement somewhere in there says something about the 2A belongs to everyone. Uh, gun sports are, are kind of an expensive hobby to get into, into as a sport. Mm -hmm. uh, however, everyone has a right and should be carrying a gun, <laughs> I believe. Um, Georgia just became an open, not open carry, a constitutional carry state. Uh, I don't know, several months ago. Anyway, my price points are low. I teach a bunch of classes, but I teach a practical pistol and everyday carry course, which uh, I keep it at a very low price point. And I, and I put out a lot of information because I want guys who they're going to go buy a gun and they're going to carry the gun around. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the heck better not to use it. I don't want any impediment to to getting trained, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want cost to be a factor because some he didn't want to go, he couldn't afford to go spend five hundred dollars on a class. So, and even if you go buy a piece of garbage gun, put, still go get training, man. Like that's so that's where it, it started out. I want people out in the wild to be trained to carry the killing machine mm -hmm. because if something goes down and some dude wants to, videos all over YouTube, man people shooting the wrong folks or shooting themselves by accident, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I want to be, I want to be out there spreading good information so that people are at base level safe out in the wild with their firearms. Now I think, that I think, said, I got tons of courses. I mean, we probably got 20 courses in our library. Some are non, non live fire, you know, some are more experience based stuff, leadership, uh, teamwork, stuff like that. Yeah. You talk about new shooters to seasoned professionals. What's the, what, what's the main focus for that new group, right? They're, they're new to it, right? First time gun owner, right? What are you, what are you taking them through related to, I mean, I'm sure it's everything from safety to here's the law. Like here's what you can and can't do. No, that's right. Yep. There's a probably about a two hour classroom portion. Uh, that talks about law different, different, uh, or at least a lot of resources. I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but right. I do take that uh, piece from, I'm a member of USCCA. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they have a very good block of instruction on, on legal ramifications, um, stuff like that. So we teach, we teach that stuff for sure. Uh, obviously fundamental safety and handling, but once we get on a range, man, it's, uh, I expose new shooters to what some people might consider advanced stuff very early in the game because check this out. There is no advanced marksmanship, right? It's just mm -hmm. application of mm -hmm. the fundamentals. So for instance, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a build drill, right? That shoots six rounds as fast as possible. New shooters that blows their mind, but what does it do? It immediately puts them in a mindset of what this guy, 
they understand the limitations of, of the gun immediately. And they understand that it's not going to jump out of their hand and flip over and shoot them in the face or whatever, you know, it, whatever bizarre, uh, uh, irrational fears they might have about firearms. Mm. So it's kind of a baptism by fire and, you know, probably spend six hours roughly on the range so that you get a, you get a full day's work in the practical pistol courts for sure. You said something before I want to ask you about, you said the second amendment is for everyone. I feel like we're living in this wild time where it, it's only supposed to be for some people. And I don't, I mean, I guess I know why those those in charge that like to get us all split up and mad at each other and fired up probably want to divide us. But I think there's something Look, in your comments about that. You mind tell me just a little bit more about what you mean? It's for everybody. I mean, I tend to Look, agree with you, but don't get me started on politics here. On but I'm not even saying like, so I get it right. Like, but I just what's the mindset of that? Right. So tell me just the mindset right. of that. a little well, bit. All right. Well, first and foremost, uh, I'm a libertarian by politics. All right. So. And I'm and I'm talking about classical liberalism, right? Mm -hmm. Like your rights are your rights, regardless of who's sitting in office. Yeah, there's a, there's an ethos of don't hurt other people and don't take their stuff. That's what I that's sort it. Of classify as classical libertarian. That's it. Classical liberalism, sure. Yeah, and, and laissez-faire capitalism and whatnot. But uh, if you ask progressives about the First Amendment, everything's absolute, unless you don't. They don't like what you're saying. If you ask them about the Second Amendment, they, oh, no, we don't need that. Only cops need guns. Uh, you and I have an inherent right to self-defense, right? Everybody agrees with that. But now everybody wants to dictate how you defend yourself, which is, that's not bueno. Mm -hmm. um, the, well, at least leveling that out a little bit is educational, right? If you're trained, and I, I don't like the word mandate. And mm -hmm. I will not use the word mandate as a responsible human. You should go get training. That's right. Uh, I don't think it's the government's role to mandate. You go get training. A lot of states out there have mandatory uh, doctrinal classes that you have to take to get a concealed permit. But that is clearly unconstitutional that, to make you jump through hoops to, to, to exercise your rights. So, but when I say everybody, so I'm from Atlanta, right? The, um, there's a huge black community in Atlanta. I'm, I mean, the population is probably somewhere around high 70% uh, African-American. Um, one of my favorite guys to follow on Instagram is Madge Tour. And he's a, uh, he calls it solutionaries, but he's about arming the hood, right? Uh, gun control is in its root, roots, uh, a racist concept. Uh, so, there's a the black community gets a little marginalized in the gun industry. If you look on YouTube and look at all the pro shooters and this and that, uh, the black population is wildly underrepresented. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is, uh, but that's that's one piece of what I'm saying. Another thing we got here in Atlanta is a gigantic uh, gay population. Now I don't hate on. Uh, uh, gay people for being gay, right? I'm not down with the transgender in school, whatever weird thing that that is. Uh, but if if a gay guy comes to my course and says, "Hey, I wanted to be able to defend myself," yeah. I'm going to teach the guy rock. to defend himself. Yeah, let's like, rock and roll. Just like just like I would teach you to, or, or or Justin or anyone else. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, the Second Amendment's for everybody. That can at least be a common ground, right, for everybody with all these weird differences. Yeah. So if I can get everybody to agree that, yeah, I should be able to carry a gun, then we, then we can agree on other things too. Yeah, you should be able to. Whether you choose to or not, that's your choice, right? Nobody's, Absolutely. nobody's ever going to be forced in that position. But you've got a, an, a God-given right to protect yourself and your family. And your Absolutely. And all that. All right. So folks uh, want to find out, right? Want to find out more. Maybe they want to attend an event, get some training, right? Come hang out with you guys. Talk, send them. Give them the info. Where can they go? Okay. Yeah. OspreyShootingSolutions.com. That's it, man. And uh, Osprey Shooting Solutions on Instagram. It's Osprey Shooting Solutions across the board. I got a YouTube channel that's kind of... Uh, in development, Justin's helping me with with videos in the future. Of on the, by the way, but he's just a helper, man. Yeah. Who do you look he up is. to in this space, right? Who are you learning from? Who who do you who do you view as some of the best of the best? Uh, the best of the best. Uh, well, uh, a couple. Of, one guy I've been following for a long time. I took a course with him when I was in the military. It was Mike Panone, and he is a uh, prior Marine, prior Green Beret, prior Delta guy. And got out and did all kind of organizational stuff with with air marshals and other guys. He's a grandmaster ID, uh, USPSA shooter. His catchphrase is "There is no the magic is there is no magic," mm. and I love that man. Got put the work. And he's in, a no nonsense guy. Yeah, he's he's a abrasive, gruff dude, but he tells it like it is. But it's no nonsense, real deal, no fluff. Uh, one of my catchphrases is no frills. Because uh, uh, when I was an infantryman, I traveled light, man. I didn't carry extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got the I got the nickname of no frills mills. Because I'd be out there freezing my ass off. It'd be 17 I'll degrees find, and I got I'll a whoopie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but Mike Pannone is one of the guys. Um, there's a guy, Matt Pranka, who's also a former Delta guy, who's a, a, a pro shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the similar the similarities with w- the way they teach and what they teach is there's no fluff, there's no extra shit. Sorry, stuff. Uh, it's, hey, I said it's, the F word earlier. We should be fine. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's the fundamentals in action. Yeah. And watching these guys shoot, you understand there is no advanced. They make it look advanced but it's just application of fundamentals. So those two guys in particular, you can't go wrong with former Delta guys in general because they shoot hundreds of thousands of rounds throughout a career, millions possibly. Yeah, and so then they know what's up. Two prominent pro shooters I follow, and I'll leave it at that, is uh, Ben Stoker, who he, there's a lot of controversy around him. He's been banned from USPSA for, for calling out some improprieties of the organization, uh, but he's one of the best shooters out there. And he's a no-nonsense guy. And then J.J. Ricasa, who is a uh, like a little little Filipino lightning bolt zipping around the friggin' stage. He's fast and furious, man. You cannot go wrong with those four dudes. That's awesome, man. I think there's something in there about, and, and maybe this isn't your jam, right? Maybe you're listening to us. You're like, I don't ever intend on owning a gun. That's fine. It's your, your right and your ability. I think my hope is that if you if you're in that mindset, just be respectful of and remember what pe- why people are doing this, right? Why people are taking all this training and that there are guys like Edgar out there that are making sure that those owners are being, are sharpening their blade every day, every week, every month, whatever, so that they can be responsible, right? So that they can take care of them and there's, and look, you never know when they might be able to protect you too, 
And it is a wild world we're living in now, man, where stuff Crazy. is just popping up. And the more I think people can get trained to be ready, hopefully like insurance, hopefully you never have to use it. That's right? what it is. That's all it is, is insurance. Yeah. So in the gun business, there, there's a lot of disciplines, right? Uh, not everybody's training to be a USPSA grandmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and competition intimidates a lot of, of, you know, average folks who like they maybe want to own a gun for protection, but they're not interested in running and gunning. Um, and the answer to that is, is I concur. You don't have to go be a competition shooter. But the answer to that is that the, the hard skill is the hard skill. Putting your sight on target and pulling the trigger is the same whether you're doing it in a competition or at the Waffle House parking lot at 3 a.m. So the skill is the same across the board. How you apply that skill depends on what you want to do with yourself. Uh, A lot of people just carry. They go to the range once a month, and then they never shoot a competition their entire life, which is okay. Now, I would argue that unless you're doing some dry fire at the house, you probably need to practice a little more, but you don't have to do competition shooting. Um, but the skill itself translates. It's the same in Afghanistan. It's the same in a USPSA match. It's the same at the Waffle House parking lot. It's but all, does that but does, does that competition training get you uh, utilizing that firearm when your heart rate's pumping a little bit faster than it normally would be? Yeah, but you can do that with push-ups. You can do that with anything. Now, the, the, here's the unknown. Here's the variable that you can't control is you've heard of fight, flight, or freeze response, mm-hmm. right? That's involuntary. That's the thing that happens that you have to train real hard to get that under control. Uh, there's a lot of psychology going on in there. So people who do all these courses with their kid on and they got the all this stuff, if they don't ever train for like uh, – I mean, it, you can't train for it. How, it's how an unknown. It's an unknown. You can't replicate. How can I replicate unknown. taking your life? Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah. So you can do problem solving under time, under you know, and that's fine. But the reality is when your life's really in danger, there's going to be some involuntary mm-hmm. responses in there that you've either trained enough that you're confident in your skill and you ride that or you haven't trained enough and that fear or, or fight or flight or whatever takes over and you haven't trained enough to mitigate it. So you just re- respond in a, in a involuntary way. Yep. So, so much psychology. So the subconscious is a powerful place, man. Uh, more powerful than people give credit for. Uh, when it comes to shooting, the best, the best way to mitigate that man is just be absolutely confident in your skill. And most people don't train to that level. Soldiers, some, well, special operators do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and USPSA guys, that's not replicate. Yeah, you got heart, your heart rate's up a little bit, but that, that doesn't affect too much. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the, the real fear, that's what affects your, your, your behavior. So that's hard to train, man. But that leads me into a perfect thing. Scenario-based training. It's one of my favorite things to do. To me, it's the second most important thing other than being able to hit what you're shooting at. Uh, We got UTM guns, and we do three classes that are scenario-based, which puts you in stressful situations 
and they're not even firearms courses. Uh, two of those courses, there's no guns whatsoever. Hmm. It's one is a uh, urban and rural long range movement. And the scenario is you're evading uh, some aggressors through Atlanta and up into Rome and into the woods in, in Rome. And uh, you got to stay out overnight with minimal gear. You, you got to kind of work as a team. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. Um, and that's sort of physical and a little bit of problem solving. Mm-hmm. And then I have a, a, ho- a huge course that one is once a year surviving captivity. And the gist of that course is, is international travel preparation, being ready to go. And I target church uh, um, missionaries, um, nonprofit humanitarian organizations. Mm-hmm. And I mean like mid-level and low-level groups that don't have the money for security, sure. don't have the money for training. Sure. Uh, so I target But could groups. get into some pretty gnarly situations. But could, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's missionaries. Been, yeah. Yep. So preparing for that, right? That's a very real academic thing. And then the scenario part of that is you spend 36 hours in captivity doing, uh, you know, things that... Yeah make you reevaluate a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's Incredible. real good. And Incredible. completely out of the comfort zone for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But especially, like you know, average civilians. Uh, and if you spend 36 hours in someone else's control, having uh, uncomfortable things happen to you, even though, you know, it's a course, it still creates a little, mm-hmm. you know, thought process for you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's an awesome one. Uh, no guns. Yeah, no guns. Yeah, just learning skills though that you could use. Guys, go check him out. It's Osprey Shooting Solutions. He's Edgar No Frills Mills. <laughs> yeah, so I got a T-shirt. I love it, man. Yeah. Brother, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always a pleasure. It's Edgar Mills. I'm Brian Jodas. That's been this episode of Pick Up a Six Podcast.